Hey, and welcome to the Seats to Streets podcast, a conversation centered around adding a voice and practical tools through your earbuds on the subject of missions in the established church. Many pastors and pastoral staff want to do more in the area of local and global missions, but feel overwhelmed at where to start and how. Listen in and learn key practices and new perspectives from missionaries and ministers working to move people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets. Hey, welcome to today's episode of the Seats to Streets podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Horn, and with me today is a close friend of mine, a, a friend that we went to college with, and I want to bring up a conversation that needs to be had in the church. We're going to talk today about mental health, especially coming out, maybe coming out, or in the midst of COVID and the resurgence of people coming back to church and being active again in our faith. What does that look like? How has COVID affected our congregation? How has it affected uh, our pastoral staff and what we do as a church? So with me today, I have Aaron Lee from the Let's Get Trying podcast. And the Let's Get Trying podcast is a podcast that challenges us to live real and authentic lives no matter the journey we're on. Now, I don't want to take all the thunder away from Aaron, uh, and I really want him to explain a little bit more about this idea of mental health in the pastorate and what that looks like. So, Aaron, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for letting me be a part of the podcast. Uh, I'm thrilled. Uh, it's been cool to reconnect with you, man, mm-hmm. since college and and all that. So, yeah, so let's get trying podcasts. That's, uh, that's a podcast that I've been running for about two years now. And started out actually was called the anxious pastor mm. um, because I I'm a anxious pastor, <laughs> and, uh, not very uh, deep thinking there. But you know one of the things I realized and, and the reason it's let's get trying was it was so important for me to to understand that mental health requires us to get up every day and keep going mm-hmm. and keep trying, and that's not just mental health but just in our spiritual walks mm-hmm. and so. Uh, a big part of this podcast has been to help people that are struggling day in and day out, feeling like, man, I have to hide what I'm struggling with. I have to hide this mental illness, this feeling that I have that's kind of taboo in our world today. Right. And and so what I've tried to do is create a, a safe place where we can talk about vulnerable things and and just encourage people to keep living in that. So that's that's what Let's Get Trying is all about. Man, I appreciate the authenticity that you bring to that to say, hey, we need to have a conversation with it. And, and soon you're going to share a bit about your story of, of how that was real for you and that led to this idea of giving back to those who need to have someone maybe speak up on their behalf and to tell them that it's okay to open their mouth and to say, hey, I need help in this area. You know, one of the things that we've talked about before um, that circled the globe is, uh, as far as in, in church world and in uh, even out of church world, is the need to take care of our bodies. And so mm-hmm. there's been there's been a series on taking care of ourself, taking care of, of what God has given us. And a lot of times that goes toward the physical a- aspect of, of, of that conversation. But we kind of shied away from the other areas of health that we need, the emotional side of health, our our mental side of health. It's even interesting now, and you've probably seen it coming out, that um, there has been uh, studies on the difference between IQ and EQ. 
right? Your intelligence quotient and your emotional quotient, this idea of how emotionally healthy are you and, 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 and as a workplace and as somebody who's on staff and things like that. Uh, but I really wanted to have that conversation with you because you are a pastor. Uh, you, you are someone who is a voice for those that feel like they have no voice when it comes to mental health. And we're seeing that become a topic in our churches and in our circles. Uh, so give me a little bit of background of your walk with coming to this, uh, I, I guess you could say a better place of health when it comes to your mental health and emotional health journey. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that because there's so much of, of this stuff was where we have to kind of look at our own journeys and see why we got or how we got here. And that's a, that's a big deal to me is understanding what has caused some of these issues in your life. And so I'll jump back just real briefly and kind of uh, give you a little bit of context for what I'm going to share. So I, as a, as a kid, uh, elementary school was bullied quite a bit, dealt with lots of just not feeling like I fit in mm. and, and in different ways, the church actually was the place that I did feel like I fit in. Hmm. So that was, that was a really great piece for me. One of the things I've, I've told people many times, I don't know where I would be if I hadn't felt accepted in the church. Wow. And I had a youth pastor who really loved on me and didn't care about all the, all the things I thought about myself. He loved me anyway. And I think that was so critical but the the problem was was because of what I dealt with as a child, it, it created some lies that the enemy has just rooted in my mind. And then as I got as I got older, I started to to feel that more and more and more. And then the problem came; I would start to self medicate myself through it. Mm -hmm. And I, I I want us to all see that there is there's a tie between the ways that we respond to our anxiety and our depression. We we want to be medicated. We want to we want to feel better, and right. I think that's a huge, huge piece in this that we sometimes avoid. And I will say that um, for me personally, I dealt with a 13 year pornography addiction, and that was the result of through counseling. I figured out that that was the result of me just wanting to feel accepted and feel. Um, needed and feel wanted. And it was just this crazy thing for me to realize that, you know, I always thought, well, the pornography was the problem, but the problem was more in how I thought about myself mm. and then how I was responding to what I thought about myself. I, I wanted to feel better. I wanted some way to, to feel accepted. Well, you fast forward through that. I'm luckily going on 10 plus years in recovery of that. So I'm very thankful for what God has done in my life and through that. But I will say that it has, um, it has also brought up some other things that as I'm still working through my own insecurities and my own struggles, my mental health has gotten, had gotten worse. And so what I found was through those thoughts, then I started to find myself in depression and then really deep, dark places that would just just not a place I would want anybody to live. And then anxiety would cause that depression or that depression would cause anxiety where I just felt so overwhelmed. And I'm I even to this day I battle social anxiety, which is ironic to what I do for a living. Right. I, I lead worship at a church and I have to stand in front of people and I have social anxiety. But what I've learned is that 
it's okay to admit that what you struggle with. And that's what started to happen more and more in my life. As I was struggling with it, I was just asking more and more people for help. And as I started to ask more and more people for help, then more and more people started to say to me, man, I'm so glad you said that because I'm struggling too. And I just always thought it was me right. who was by myself. And that plays a huge part in whatever the enemy's trying to do in our lives and tell us, no, you know what? Uh, you are alone. Nobody cares about you. And so don't share that because they'll judge you for it. And that has changed my whole world and my whole understanding of how mental health uh, is affecting us today because the, what the enemy wants is for you to hide in it. Right. And, and that's a very dangerous place to be. So as a pastor with knowing that the majority of our listeners are pastoral staff and or yeah. missions team leaders or missions team members as a pastor, how, how hard was it to come out and say, I am needing to focus on my mental health. Like, mm -hmm. were there were there times where you got like odd looks or pushback um, by just coming out and saying, I need to focus on my mental health here? Yeah, I would say there was, especially early on when I started, I guess you could say testing the waters right. of what I could share with in my mental health. I remember I got kind of emotional one Sunday just feeling uh, I was very anxious that that morning, and I I had gotten on stage. I had kind of broke down a little bit in one of the songs because I was overwhelmed, um, not in a good way. I was like in a really dark place, and I remember, and I won't, I'm not gonna bring up anybody's name, but I remember a specific pastor saying to me, "Hey man, uh, you need to kind of tone that back a little bit." Mm. And he, you know, he kind of reprimanded me for, for feeling what I felt and being broken even, you know, from, from the platform. And I remember though, on the same day, someone coming up to me, and this has happened so many times, coming up to me and saying the exact words like, me too. I am in the exact same spot as you today. I did not want to be at church. I I didn't I I was terrified to even walk in the doors and to know that someone on stage was struggling actually connected with me because I always thought you guys had it together. Oh. I thought you guys were perfect. Well, there is and, that there is that stigma. I mean, yeah. You've yeah. seen it you've seen it firsthand. Hmm. I, so I would love to know what you think about why you were given that response. I have an idea that that some of those responses when we um, when we get close and personal with someone who is struggling with their mental health or actively seeking to improve it, mm -hmm. I, I'm wondering if some of those responses of either looking the other way or not responding or responding in that manner of hey, let's tone this down is mm -hmm. is is actually a response of, of fear and unknown. I, yeah. I don't know how to help you in this moment, and mm -hmm. I'm fearful that this may cause a problem, whatever that you know concern problem or uh, hypothetical problem could have been. So let's just tone this down. How, yeah. much, how much of unawareness and potential like ignorancy of our mental health plays into the fact of how people that are struggling with their mental health or looking to improve it 
how does that affect them when they bump into those barriers? Yeah, I I think I think it affects those of us. I'll, I'll tell you, made me skittish to even think about sharing mm. things in the future. And uh, a lot of that came from you know, as as you're you're hearing those things, you're thinking, okay, am I doing something wrong? Right. And and then you start to believe, okay. And and I will say this: I'm not a believer that you just need to have more faith. I I really believe that like I do have a lot of faith in the Lord, but it's not so much that the Lord will heal me. I do believe He can, but I I think what was happening to me was I was getting some lies of of who God was, and it was like, well, God doesn't want you to share that. That's the kind of things I started thinking about myself. I, those are the kind of things I started thinking about what He was what what they were saying to me. And I I wrestled with that because I felt like I felt like I was a bad pastor, a bad minister, a bad communicator. And it 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 pushed me away from it for a little bit. But then I'll say the more the Holy Spirit worked in my life, the more I realized, no, that's not what I'm being called to do. Hmm. So I, you know, it it made me more timid. It brought the fear back into it. And that's that's something that that's the key word right there that will control us all in this whole thing. Right. Is fear. And and I think that that was a that was a really hard piece for me. Yeah. I mean it's 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 damaging when we bump into some of those moments where someone didn't intend for the message to mm. come across that way. Right. But that's how it was communicated. Right? right. So you you determined because of the words out of that individual's mouth, you determined that the communication was stop making this up. Let's get back to our job. I mean, was right. that was that too far of a No, I exactly. It kind of seemed like I wasn't being genuine. Right. But I I was being genuine, but it 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 I maybe because it felt taboo or made maybe like you said, it was like how do we actually navigate through these waters? because we've never done it before, we don't really know how to manage that. So let's not talk about it. Let's not do it. Exactly. Let's, let's just, let's just look away and pretend right. that it's not going to be there. Right. So we've, 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 we're in the midst of COVID. We're, we're, we're seeing, this is springtime here. This is about the end of April recording this podcast. And we're starting to see a lot more warmer weather, people being outside, which is normally a better time for mental health, right? You get things like the winter blues, which are absolutely real. Right. So coming into a time where we're going to be outside, where we're going to be able to be around more people, and especially with COVID, uh, that has driven people so far in. Aaron, as a pastor, what have you seen from congregations in general as to far as the mental health of the congregation now in the midst of COVID? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because I think there's something that's happening that we've never we've never seen before in a lot of people's lives. They are experiencing anxiety and depression for the first time that and they don't know what it is. Mm. Okay, so I remember thinking about that. Okay, so almost for some of us who have dealt with this for a while, we we actually came into COVID uh, in a better place than the people who had never experienced it. Before. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So like I kind of knew the things that would help me through it, get me through it. And it didn't mean I didn't struggle, 
but it did mean that then for those people who weren't, and that's that's the thing I'm seeing, especially in in um, more uh, people like our age. Uh, I've also talked to some families. You know, you you get into the the side of it, uh, like the health crisis side of you know experiencing people you love and care for dying, and that's created anxiety, absolutely, rightfully so. But then there's the people who are just like okay, my world's been shattered. Things are not the way they used to be. And then we came out of quarantine thinking everything was going to go back to normal, and they and it didn't. And right. so wh- what I'm seeing is people relapsing back into, you know, that feeling like they're being drowned in, in anxiety and depression. And then I'm seeing people who are really experiencing it for the first time, and they have no clue what they're experiencing. Um, and because of that, they don't know how to ask for help. And that's, man, that's a critical piece to all of this because I think for all of us, we know that this is a probably a once in a lifetime, hopefully, right. uh, thing, thing that happens. And when you get shook that much, something's going to happen. You, you mentioned an interesting phrase of not knowing how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's, that's massive. I mean, not, not just knowing who is different. Right. Not knowing who to talk to means you've already have an understanding of what you should talk about and how you need to go about it. Right. But the fact that you don't even know how to ask for help, like I don't even know how to help you, right? Mm-hmm. Was 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 some of that words you got from that from that from that pastor while mm-hmm. you were on stage. That is a big deal. So what do we need to do as pastors? What do we need to do to help our congregation know how to speak up and to have some of the verbiage to describe some of their needs. First and foremost, you have to tell them it's okay. I I am like incredibly humbled by the church I get to be a part of that says, you know what? I we recognize that you're struggling and that's okay. Now, you may not be able to pinpoint what it is you're struggling specifically with, but know that whatever it is you're feeling, it's okay to feel that way. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a a terrible Christian. It's it's just something you're dealing with. It's just like the physical elements in your body. You stub your toe, you know, it hurts. Uh, Mentally, there's things going on in our heads. Physically, there's something going on in our heads that is causing us these issues. Now, I think there are, is a huge spiritual aspect to it as well, but that doesn't mean that you should be afraid to struggle. That's, you know, Paul talks about suffering all the time, and that's okay. The other, the other thing I think that's important to tell people is talk to someone. It doesn't have to—you don't have to know all the pieces, but to be able to say— the church is actually people that care about your life. Mm-hmm. So go talk to someone mm-hmm. because they care about you. Right. And that's that's yet again another lie that Satan wants to tell us is that one that the church will judge us or and two that no one wants to hear our problems because they've got their own problems. Mm-hmm. No, like that's how we work through this stuff together. Right. Is by leaning into those things. So I I definitely think giving them permission to struggle and saying, find community, find someone that, that can walk with you 
uh, when you're struggling. Th those are huge pieces. Then I would say from from a leadership standpoint, acknowledging that there are both physical and spiritual sides to this topic. Mm -hmm. let's, let's call it what it is and not try to white knuckle our way through, just pray more, just pray more. Because I, I absolutely, don't get me wrong, prayer is right. huge 100%. in this. But if you need help from a physical standpoint, embrace that, allow people to help you with that, and I mean, me personally, I remember uh, several years ago, I had an all out, uh, woke up in the middle of the night, had what I felt like was a heart attack. Mm. And my wife throws me in the car. We go to the ER. Literally, I was having a panic attack. That was the first panic attack I've had in my entire life. But in, in what I thought was a heart attack was actually just my body telling me something's not right. Right. And a lot of it had to do with some stress that I had on me and different things. And so then I had to start talking to people about that. What what What's overwhelming me right now? Right. What are the pieces that are hurting me? So I think the more that we can help people kind of dissect what it is that's going on in their lives and then also give them permission, that's going to be critical. You, you, you talked about panic attack and... You know, maybe it's out of some ignorancy, right? I would look at my, I would maybe self-label myself and not as anxious person, right? Maybe sure. you can, maybe you and I can work yeah. on that later. <laughs> uh, but I remember one specific time back in college, back at Kentucky Christian University, yep. there was a time where I felt that I felt this mm. just as if my heart just stopped and then restarted several times. I remember it vividly. Uh, I'm sitting. We're sitting in the cafeteria. It's senior year. It's a, it's actually uh, spring semester of senior year. Graduation is right around the corner. Uh, mm. Heather and I were engaged, and we're you know we're 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 graduating, getting married, and hopefully going to our first ministry all within the next three months. Sure. And I am still in the application phase, still in the interview phase with with churches. And I remember in the cafeteria the same day that I got information back from five churches that mm. had moved on to other candidates, which means mm. thanks but no thanks. We're not interested anymore. All five were the only five I, were, I was in conversation with. All five pulled out on the same day. And I remember <sighs> standing up from the cafeteria table. I just got the last email. Right, mm. that just got the last email. It was on my Palm Pilot because we I didn't I had a hand. <laughs> yeah, I was me trying down. to remember what we had then. I had, hand me, I had a hand me down like Windows Palm Pilot that worked <laughs> half the time. Right, nice. It didn't even have a smartphone. You know, I didn't even understand what texting was until later. So I'm reading right. this last email because they've all just come in. It's now supper time. So all five have communicated that in the in the eight business hours of the day. Sure. And I remember my like feeling my, like like my heart stopped and I, I I sprang up from my seat. I went out the emergency exit out into mm -hmm. the field because I'm like, if I'm going to die, I don't want to die with all these people looking at me. <laughs> I'm going to go outside and try to get to a hospital or something. Right. Heather's sprinting after me and she's like, what is going on? I was like, I think I'm dying because like, I had yeah. no words. I, di I, I didn't have any words then to express what that was. Now I understand it's a panic attack. Now I understand that yeah. there are precursors and that there are other feelings that come along before that so that yeah. I can smell the fire burning and not feel the heat when I, to know that, that a fire is burning. So, yes, man, you want to talk about the reality of that is is 100% true. 
So that, that brings me to an idea, Aaron, and I, and I, I hope I'm not asking like a super rudimentary question, but I want to ask very low level questions so that pastors and churches can understand what this looks like. If you had to tell me what poor mental health looked like, what does, how would you answer that? I'm probably going to go out on a limb with this. It's actually not a rudimentary question. I think it's a, it's probably one of the deepest questions you can ask because we all put on a mask. We right. all put on a facade, right? Mm -hmm. So that whole, if you don't tell them, if you don't give them permission to struggle, then they're just going to hide it, right? So here's my theory. I'm not, I'm no expert at all this, but I will say, I think insecurity, I know this is a really odd thing, but insecurity drives a tremendous amount of our mental struggles. Mm -hmm. And why why I'm why I'm saying that is analysis of my own life and then just observing other people. Most of the time when we start to allow that stuff to creep in, it's because of something we believe about ourselves and haven't really addressed. Hmm. Okay. So when you go into counseling, you know, they always talk about the mommy daddy issues, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. When you start dissecting that, you could have had great parents, but we live in a broken world. So right. at some point your parents didn't do something that you needed. And, mm -hmm. and that's just reality. Somewhere in there, the enemy created a little fib about yourself and you start believing it. And then it breeds into more and more things. And then you start believing those lies and when you believe those lies, you start to um, you you start to deal with it in different ways. Okay, so the insecurity thing is a big piece of it. I would say also if you're looking out into your congregation and uh, when you talk about this stuff, I mean it's just like anything. When you talk about this stuff, if there's people who get up and leave, or there's people who are in tears, or there's people shaking their heads. That should communicate to you that what you're saying is resonating. I know the people walking out thing is, right. is weird, but let's be real. When people get uncomfortable, they bolt. Mm. And that's another, that it's the fight or flight piece that's built into us for survival. So a lot of times people will argue that this is not a thing or they'll, They'll say, you know, I'm just going to avoid that conversation. I don't struggle like that. I don't have these issues. Mm -hmm. We all have them in maybe a minor way or a big way or whatever. I think the more that we can have conversations to allow people to talk about what they're feeling and it be safe, even if they don't fully agree with it, they'll, mm -hmm. they'll work themselves through it, you know, at, with people from the church that can, you know, guide them and love on them and all that. I just think the more that we can recognize that, just walk into a room and say, at least a portion of the people that I'm ministering to is dealing with this. Mm -hmm. the, the odds, I don't know the statistics right off, but the odds that there are people dealing with it. I actually did hear this one yesterday that, that, that it is believed that between one and three people that you interact with are dealing with a mental health issue. Hmm. Maybe aware are not aware. So you have to walk into your church on Sunday, walk in to your small group, whatever it is, you're, how you're interacting with them, and assume that someone in that room is struggling. And so 
then you can start getting into, if you have relational equity with these people, then you can start helping them unpack unpack some of the things that are driving these insecurities, some things that are driving these feelings of brokenness. And it's not going to always fix the, sure. the, the mental piece, but it goes a long way. Right. It goes a long way. So let's put our pastor hat back on now. If there's knowing that we have a, a large amount of pastors that listen to the cease the streets podcast, and we mm-hmm. want to equip them with the tools to ensure they are mobilizing their people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets. Yep. One of the things we want to do is send out emotionally healthy and mentally healthy disciples who make disciples. So, yep. so now we have a pastor that's listening, and, and, and he recognizes that there's a few individuals that have poor mental health. How does that pastor recognize more of the individuals around him. Like you said, the people that get up and bolt, you got some, those are, those are people that are, I don't want to say easier to recognize or people that would come up to you and say, Hey, I need help in this. Yeah. That's easier to recognize your area of, of, uh, of assistance that's needed. But how does a pastor recognize individuals that uh, are poor in mental health? And then what can they do to help them progress to a more healthier place? The first thing I can tell you, and this is just from my own experience, again, I I don't know all the answers, but as much as you can be vulnerable and share your own struggles or struggles of people in your congregation, the more you're going to open that door for those people who, who are afraid to talk about it. Literally, the more you talk about it, the more you're giving them permission to talk about it. Mm. So I think you're going to start breaking down barriers. You're going to have the people who will jump on it without you even saying a word. And then you're going to have the people who will never talk about it. But then there's that group in the middle that I believe that the more they hear stories of people who are wrestling with the same thing as them, then they're going to feel more and more uh, accepted in being able to share that. So I think that will help um, because I'm telling you, like one specific, it's literally kind of like the first one I shared, I had one Sunday morning, not too long ago, actually, uh, probably right before COVID, I felt like I was having an anxiety attack, and I could not even sit with our worship team uh, before we went out. I was, like, so overwhelmed. I had to go sit, like, in a hallway and kind of control my breathing. And I remember getting on stage and saying, hey, before we sing any songs, I just want to tell you all where I'm at and ask for you to pray for me in this moment. Mm -hmm. I know that's weird. Like, especially as a pastor, you don't feel like you're supposed to do that. Man, if I could, I can't even count how many people came up and said to me, people I never even spoke to before said to me, thank you because I'm right there. It, It is just the reality is they believe they can't talk about it. So the more you can show that from the stage or show that, from your relationship with them, the more they're going to open up. Right. I would say the next part of your question about how do we help them move on from there is, yeah, we got to have resources available to those people. I will say more than ever, you need, and I know this isn't easy for every church, but I do believe you need a staff care piece to your, to your um, church. And that's taking care of the staff you have 
mentally and uh, spiritually, but then those people can be trained to help walk those people along. So that may be uh, pulling in a counselor from a, a local uh, counseling service to come and equip your staff to help out with that. I think it's also um, providing those resources to your congregation saying, hey, in our area, there's these five, six Christian counselors that you can connect with. And if you have the resources, man, say, hey, we'll pay for your first session with them if you'll go. If you'll go talk some of these things out. Then also, you know, putting together, a, um, we have different ministries at our church. Uh, we have a uh, anxiety groups mm. where they'll come together and they talk about how their anxiety is affecting them that week. Uh, we have depression groups. We have all sorts of different groups that meet on a weekly basis to, one, be vulnerable with one another and also be there for one another when they're not meeting. And I think those pieces will help move those in the right direction. And then, you know, you're kind of doing it the way Jesus calls us to be disciples to one another. You don't have to be an expert to do this. It's really just walking with people and helping them figure out uh, what their next step is. So Aaron, you you brought up this idea of counseling and going to counseling. You've even shared your experience of going to counseling and and the positives that that has brought into your life. Uh, right. You know, I I was the type of guy that that was brought up that like oh you you don't need counseling. You just you just you just you just, you just man up and deal with it, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, that's very prevalent in the churches. It's very prevalent in in some um, in some in some dads' uh, strategy mm-hmm. for raising their children. We just you know it's different than just rub a little dirt on it. It'll be okay, right? This subject, mm-hmm. this conversation of mental health and emotional health is we can't use the phrase rub a little dirt on it. It'll be okay. Yeah, that's 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 what's got us to this conversation. You know, and I always would push back on counseling until I realized that everyone mm. needs counseling. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, everyone, including myself. I mean, think about it. If you've ever gone to your quote unquote best friend and said, I just need you to listen for a moment and you just, whatever it was, maybe it was problems with your spouse. Maybe it was problems at the church. Somebody did this or they blah, 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 or whatever. That's, that's a counseling session. I mean, that's that is you're asking you're you're trusting someone with information mm. and you are trusting that yeah. they will give you quality feedback right and if that person does say just rub a little dirt on it eh you need to find better friends right sometimes that answer's okay but not when it comes to our anxiety not when it comes to our mental health and our mm. and our emotional health um, so Aaron as a pastor let's let's speak to pastors for a minute what do pastors need to do if they start recognizing some of their own areas where they say, hey, I don't think I'm in the greatest of, of uh, mental health areas, right? We've been trained to look at our spiritual health. We've been trained to keep an eye on that. Um, you know, uh, the idea of, of, of physical health is becoming more and more of a talked about thing in church. But let's say we have pastors that are listening to the podcast and they say, I think, I think I may have some of those things that Aaron was talking about. What are what are some ways that pastors can recognize their their level of spiritual health or their level of mental health, and what can they do to bring that to a healthier plane? 
Yeah. So I would say there's, there's different, there's different pieces to this one being, you know, say you're, you're an anxious or you're seeing anxiety starting to pop up in your life or something just are starting to feel more and more uncomfortable on a regular basis about, you know, everyday things that that's a good indicator that maybe there's something going on mentally. Um, I would also say that even with that, that you're, you're, there's a theory out there that anxiety is actually a habit. It's something that you've created mm. and you you continue to to do. And so they say within habits, there's triggers, there's um, the well, there's there's the things that trigger you. There's the things that will um, come out of you being triggered. So you may have anxiety, and from that anxiety, you worry, mm. and from that worry, then you are anxious again, mm -hmm. or you then self-medicate mm -hmm. or whatever. There's, so there's a result. So there's a trigger. There's the things that come out of it, and then there's the result. And in that, you can start to see a pattern in your life like, okay, this is, uh, this is becoming a problem. Mm -hmm. And so I think you can recognize things a little better when you see that there's a pattern or a habit starting in your life. I, that's, that's been a real new thing for me that I'm starting to see is if I wake up anxious, then there, the the next thing that happens is I start worrying about something. I don't even know what I'm worrying about. And then from that, I can do multiple things, which could be self-medicate. It could be, be, be rude to my kids, whatever. And I think the more you can see the things, take inventory of what's going on in your life, then you're going to start to realize that. One of the things I want to distinguish, though, is everybody has anxiety that uh, in some way or mm -hmm. another. It does not mean that you have an anxiety problem if you're anxious every now and then. I want to I want to clarify that because I think people think, oh man, I was anxious about having to go do this thing. Well, that doesn't mean that you're you're actually like you have a generalized anxiety disorder. You know that's what I'm saying? Good. Right. And and that's huge to this because you need to know the difference. If it's something that's happening continually on a rhythm and in a season, I would say, absolutely, this is what you need to recognize. From that, I'm telling you, I can't reiterate enough how important it is to start processing things that you think about yourself, things that you um, believe about yourself, and then ask for help, whether, like you're saying, whether that counseling comes from a best friend or that counseling comes from someone who can dissect it. I believe in using counselors who are unbiased to your situation. So they, the, your best friend's going to tell you what you want to know most of the time mm -hmm. where a counselor is going to come in and they don't know your wife. They don't know your, your, uh, employer, and they're going to try to help you be practical in, in processing what you're feeling. I think that's huge because then you can kind of navigate it. The other piece is, I, and you know, some people are against this, but I'm a firm believer in medication and using mm -hmm. that side of it, it's a health thing. There is chemicals in our brain that that are uh, being re our brains are being rewired to how the chemicals are being produced, and because of that, anxiety and depression can happen. And sure. that's usually in the way we're thinking creates new thought patterns, which then can create anxiety. And that's what is a huge, huge thing for us to realize. And and it's okay to go to your you know, you can just go to your doctor, your primary physician and say, Hey, 
I've been dealing with these things and they will kind of walk you through. They'll ask you some questions and they'll walk you through. I'm, I'm medicated even to this day, uh, where they help me, uh, kind of balance out some of those chemicals that sure. are in balance in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I always talk about when someone talks about medication and things, it, it, it gives you the, it gives your body the ability to continue to do what God's made it to do. Right. Right. Because of our brokenness and because of our, our the way we've grown up and the things that, that we've found ourselves into physically, spiritually, emotionally, that sometimes we our body needs uh, a mm-hmm. bit more of something to allow it to continue to do what God's asked it to do. We, I mean, we, we, we can watch the body stitch itself back together, but we still go to a doctor to have a broken bone fixed and then allow Absolutely. our body then allow our body to continue to fix it. So no, yes. I, I I don't I don't think we need to demonize any sort of medication uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to finding a a a healthy mental place to be in. Mm-hmm. You know, Aaron, one of the things I saw with 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 coaching churches and and being in pastors' offices on a on a weekly basis, which that was admittedly cut back dramatically over COVID, but sure. it's it's allowed us to be able to go online. It's allowed us to be able to have things like this podcast to be able to speak into the lives of pastors. But sitting in pastors' offices, or even sitting on Zoom, or or in a social distance manner, I've noticed that COVID has really done a number on the mental health of pastors across the nation. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, when when we went to school and most and and most seminaries trained pastors on to how to be just that a pastor, how mm-hmm. to how to love someone through crisis, how to help a family heal through trauma, how how to do weddings, how to do funerals and just a shepherd and pastor through and covid stripped all of our pastors of that ability. Yeah. It it, it took it away even you. You were you were you were taken off the stage for weeks and months. Right. And and you weren't able to pastor your people in a mm-hmm. way that God's called you to do. And so we're seeing that in in our um, in in our pastors and on our church staff, that it's just really wrecking our church staff, even to the point where um, pastors are getting out of being uh, yeah. getting out of the pastorate. They're 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 quitting the church uh, because of it. Um, mm-hmm. Speak to pastors if 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 we understand that, like you've just said earlier in the podcast, that that, that a lot of our people see us as pastors on a pedestal that they're that that we are viewed as someone to model spiritual life after right that there is this desire that they are a spiritual leader and that we are to we are to follow um in some of those footsteps when a when a when a pastor comes face to face with these anxieties with these negative mental thoughts with the emotional and mental um, um, health crisis that they found them in because of COVID. Where's the safe place for them to go? We've mm-hmm. talked about safety, right? We've talked about mm-hmm. that sometimes it doesn't feel safe. Where's the safe place for those men and women to go? That's a hard one because I can tell you where it should be. Right. It it should you should never have to leave your church mm-hmm. to do that. We, we as pastors and elders and leaders of our church need to be loving on our staff in that way. Um, so I would hope that that's the first place you can go. Um, now, that may, may not be your situation, that you may not be in an environment where you feel like you can actually 
talk about this with someone. I, I think the first place you should go is find someone you trust. Mm-hmm. I know it's a simple, easy thing, but as always, the more we can speak this stuff out loud, the more we're bringing it from dark to light. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be your your uh, your dad. It could be your best friend. It could be your accountability partner. It could be a counselor. Uh, I think the most important thing you can do is stop believing the lie that you have to do it alone. Mm, pre- preach it. And that you you have to white-knuckle your way through it. Right. The reality is, is God created us for community, and the community is the first place you should go. Right. I hope it's your church and your leadership of your church, but if it isn't, then there is someone close to you that is willing to walk with you through it. Yeah. Pastor, we hear this. We know that it is a threat for you to walk into your elders meetings and say, I think mm-hmm. I'm going to need some time off because I'm mentally not in a good place. We we know that's a scary, scary conversation to have. We yeah. hope that you have elders that will love you, pray for you, and to help you find a a more healthy place when it comes to your emotional level and, and your and your mental state, um, and so we we know the struggles of that. We we understand that the things that we're saying for you to do may not be easy, but it's mm-hmm. the ideal way for you to to become healthier uh, with your with your mental health. So. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, I really appreciate you taking taking the time to come over here on the Seats to Streets podcast to be able to speak into the lives of some of these some of these pastors. Um, if someone wanted to follow you and what you're doing to speak into this realm of mental health, how can they how can they follow you or connect with you? Yeah, so you can you can find my podcast on um, Apple Podcast, Spotify, all those places. Uh, it's Let's Get Trying with Aaron Lee. Trying is not, uh, it's a slang term. So we're from Kentucky, right? Yeah. I'm actually from from Virginia, but uh, yeah, you're from Virginia. I've lived most of my life in Kentucky now. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, so yeah, so let's get trying with Aaron Lee. You can also find my website at AaronTLee.com and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all that jazz. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you realize your next step is to open your mouth and to talk to someone and you possibly don't feel comfortable going to your leadership, then get a hold of us. Get a hold yes. of one of us. You've just heard Aaron's uh, co- uh, communication and, and uh, contact information. I'm going to put the Seats of Streets contact information down in the show notes so that you can be able to reach out. And it's no matter when you hear this. We're recording this at the end of April in 2021. If you flip this on and it's 2024 and you realize mm. I don't, I can't go to any of my other pastoral staff with this with, with this news. Then reach out to us. We we would love to help you process through this. Now we're also going to help you walk through the process of talking to your leadership about it because that's right. the healthiest and the ideal way. Because mm-hmm. we want you to come to a healthier place uh, for you spiritually, physically, and mentally. We don't mm-hmm. want to just gloss over that fact. And so if you're here and you're listening and you want to, to reach out, feel free to do so. We'd love to connect with you. You can reach out directly to me at seatsthestreets.com or you can send me an email at jr at seatsthestreets.com and we would love to be able to connect you. I'd even love to connect you to Aaron's podcast and the, and the Let's Get Trying crew. Uh, reach out if, uh, if you want to be connected with that. We'd love to be able to see you 
become better equipped to move your people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets. So Aaron, that's all I've got for today's podcast. You got any parting wisdom or parting encouragement you want to give to some of the, some of the listeners today? Hey, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Um, the reality is, is God has made us to be in community with one another. I, I can't reiterate that enough. And don't be afraid. There are people who love you. You're not alone. And that's all I got to say. Awesome. Well, that's all we got for this episode, folks. We will see you next week on the Seats to Streets podcast. Take care. You've been listening to the Seats to Streets podcast, a conversation centered around moving your people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.